Numbers chapter 14. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with God's dear people. I appreciate that song so very much. I, I had requested that she'd get to sing again, and I'm just so blessed that she did. She touches my heart is what she does. You know, it, it takes a heart to touch a heart. And um, uh, it, it's, it's always good when you've got, when you've got credit uh, or when you've got talent and you've got a heart. <laughs> Sometimes uh, talented folks, they've got talent, that's all they have. That doesn't impress me. But they've got character, they've got heart, and they've got commitment, and they've got determination. Uh, when they stand up and sing or preach or teach, it means something to my heart. Thank you, dear sister. I know she's going through some trials at this time, but I'm going to encourage you. Uh, look with me before we turn to Numbers chapter 14 to Psalm 100. And uh, 38, if you would, Psalm 138. You'll know where it is because it's right next to Psalm 139. All right, Psalm 138. Look with me at verse 7. Verse 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. You know, the psalmist knows what it is to walk in the midst of trouble. You know, anytime you're trying to do something right for God, there's going to be issues and problems with the devil. There's going to be issues and problems with carnal people as well. There's going to be issues and problems with the world. And so you're, you're going against the flow. But you can still be revived. You can still get that, go back to that time that you were first saved. You know, when you were first saved, you became alive. You got a life. <clears throat> Remember how it was? Things were different. I mean, I, I like to relive those moments. And you know, we can relive those moments every day of our life. And so, the problem is, is we just get used to the way things are. And then we don't get excited about anything. And that's just not right. So we need to be revived. The devil knows that if there's enough trouble in your way, your focus will be upon the circumstances instead of the Christ of the circumstances. See, we've got a problem solver. Jesus Christ is our problem solver. And he'll solve problems every time. Years ago, I want to illustrate it this way. Years ago, we took a missionary family out uh, to a place called Whataburger. Anybody ever heard of Whataburger from Texas? Okay, when you look at it, you go, what a burger. And they have this little jingle that goes, what a burger, big and brown, always buy a quarter pound. If you mustard pickles, lettuce too, uh, you will like it. Millions do. Anyway, so I took them out for a water burger. And uh, my son is weird when it comes to eating hamburger. Uh, he's kind of like his mother. And um, <clears throat> so he was about, I don't know, about seven years old, six, seven years old. And uh, he ordered his hamburger plain and dry. My goodness, nothing on it. Just, just a hamburger and, a, and, and bread, that's it. But when he got it, it had mustard, pickles, lettuce too. I mean, he had it all. And uh, he, um, um, we were sitting around with the missionary couple, and he said, look, Dad, Dad, look. My hamburger's got all this stuff on it. And he just got really upset. And I was somewhat embarrassed, and I was upset with him. And so I grabbed his hamburger, 
I took a french fry and I scraped everything off on both sides. And I put that thing together and I said, son, nobody died. There's no reason you ought to be upset like this. And so he ate his hamburger. The next day in Sunday school, the, the uh, missionary was up there preaching. And he talked about his little girl breaking her pencil head. And she was all upset. And she brought her problem to what she perceived as the problems of her. And daddy uh, took and said, honey, this is the way we look. We'll, we'll solve this problem. And he fixed her little pencil. And she was just madly in love with her problem. I got to thinking about that stinking hamburger. And the way I handled my son. And so I, and I was sitting on the platform while he was speaking. And I kind of slithered out of my seat. Slithered down the hall. Went in to my son's Sunday school class. And I went something like this. And, and, and so he came into my office. He shut the door. And he says, Daddy, I don't know what I did, but whatever I did, I won't never do it again. Because daddies don't go and get him out of Sunday school. And I said, Son, when you brought your problems to me, I didn't help you. I insulted you. Why would you ever want to bring your problems back to me? Those were little things to me, but it was major things to you. And I fell down on my knees before my son. And I said, can you find it in your heart to forgive me, Daddy? Oh, Daddy, yes. Oh, yeah, I'll forgive you. Oh, yeah. And he's been bringing his problems to me ever since. And he's 35 years old. But he's bringing his problems to what he perceives the problem solver. Folks, we have a problem solver. Amen? And in the midst of troubles and trials and tribulation and everything, God wants to solve our problems. And our problems is we need to be revived. Will thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? That's the issue of the hour. You happy? If you're not happy, you're not revived. And just because you're happy doesn't mean you're revived. You've got to be right with God. It takes work to be right with God and stay right with God. Numbers chapter 14, if you would. <clears throat> Numbers chapter 14. I want to direct your attention here uh, to some things. Before we read chapter 14, I'm going to read a few verses out of chapter 13. It's talking about the, the 12 spies that went in and spied out the land. And when they come back, there was uh, 10 of them that says, oh, the problems are big and major, and the troubles and trials are big and major. They're too big for us. And there's two that came back and said, no, they're okay. Everything's okay. We got a bigger God than there are problems. We got a problem solver. God Almighty. Uh, nevertheless, the people be strong and dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, the giants. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people. For they are stronger than we. Now, I want to pick up in chapter 14, verse 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried 
And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron and the whole congregation and said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us up unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephniel, uh, were, uh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then we will bring us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the people bade stone them which with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed among them, I will smite them with pestilence and disinherit them. And will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. I want to talk to you tonight about when logic is illogical, illogic, and when thinking is thoughtless. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray that you'd help me to say what needs to be said. I pray that you'll give us eyes to behold wondrous things from your word. I pray that you'll give us ears that will listen and be in tune with heaven. I pray that you'll give us a mind that won't wonder and think about other things that, that does not pertain uh, to what we're discussing tonight. I pray that the Holy Spirit will have complete freedom to move in our hearts and to apply truth to our life. And show us, dear Lord, where we uh, can get right and be right and stay right and draw closer to Thee. Now I pray that you'll bless us only you can. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For 37 years I've been passing, and I have noticed behavior from backslidden people. Backslidden, carnal Christians. You know there are three types of, of people. There's the natural person. That's the person that's lost. It's, uh, you, you, know, you don't grow up saved. You get saved. And when you get saved, you're saved for the rest of eternity. Okay? Uh, but you're, you, in your natural sense, you're born a sinner. And unless something changes, you'll die a sinner and go to a devil hell. Uh, that's the natural man. And then there's another person the Bible talks about is the spiritual man. The spiritual man is the one that's been saved and, and has made much of the Bible. Because if you're going to know the, way, the mind of Christ, you're going to have to know the, the book, his word. And so the Christian, the spiritual person, is the one that's in tune with heaven. 
They're saved. They're in tune with heaven. Uh, they and God walk and talk, and, and they love each other, and everything's fine. There's that third person called a carnal person. Carnal. Now, if you talk uh, Spanish, you would know that the word for flesh or meat is carnal. And it comes from that word. A carnal person is a fleshly person. A person that's interested in the world. He is saved. If he were to die, he'd go to heaven. And, uh, and that's great. But there's more to life than just getting to heaven. There's being a blessing in the process. The carnal person is a person that, that thinks and acts like a lost person. Responds like a lost person. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so that carnal person thinks and acts like a lost person, a natural person. A natural person, just whatever comes to their mind, that's what they think is right. Because they, in their mind, they're, they're top dog. Okay? But a spiritual person says, you know, God's in control. And I may think this, and I may have this desire like Jesus had. He said, not my will be done, thy will be done. There's nothing wrong with having a different will. There is something wrong with uh, forcing your will on God when God has a will for you. And so the spiritual man is the one that, that thinks on spiritual things. And the carnal man is the one that thinks and conducts business and acts like a lost person. And a lost person can only act like a lost person. Pastor, are you surprised with what the world's doing and where, how the world is going? No, I'm not surprised. That's worldliness. That's what the world does. They, of course, they're going to be uh, full of uh, filthiness and vileness and garbage and, and all that uh, perversion and all that garbage. Of course, that's the world. But when the child of God becomes that way, then the child of God becomes carnal, worldly. And the child of God should never be that way. We ought to be spiritual. You see, carnal Christians are on the run from God. They will not stay found faithful. They're on the run from God. Their logic is illogical. Their thinking is thoughtless. Their reason is unreasonable. Their excuses demonstrate empty-headedness. And their stubbornness manifests itself in stupidity, uh, vanity, insanity, and calamity. Why would a wife trash her marriage and jeopardize her children with an adulterous affair? Something's wrong with her thinking. Why does a husband flush years of marriage to a good wife by a short-term affair with another woman? Something's wrong with his thinking. Why do teenagers with loving parents and a caring church family spurn their love, their counsel, and compassion to gratify uh, their will to sin and shatter their, their lives with immorality, drugs, and alcohol? Something's wrong up here. Their logic is illogical. Their thinking is thoughtless. Why are carnal Christians bent on destroying their lives and others? This chapter that we read, our text, will provide some answers and consequences of the stupidity of spiritual stubbornness. The spies have returned from the land. Ten of them were bad and two were good. Two said, let's go. And ten says, oh no. The majority is not always right. But right is always right. Amen. 
We can't just assume because the majority says this, that that's the right. It doesn't necessarily work that way. Right is always right. Wrong is always wrong. What you need to do is discern what is right and take a stand for what is right, and that will never fail you. I want you to see, first of all, the cry of the congregation. The cowardness and cry of the congregation. There in verse 1. It says, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. A tidal wave of panic, fear, and doubt, and unbelief against God's will sweeps through the camp. The congregation uh, wept and wailed all night. In the Middle East, crying was a loud wail. When two and a half billion people wailed, it must have been very loud. God's people have come so far, they have endured so much, and now they feel they cannot go any further. They are so close to their goal, but they have not the faith to go over and possess it. This is where their logic is illogical. And after the destruction of Pharaoh, the parting of the Red Sea, the, 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 the tasting the sweetness of bitter uh, Marah, and the miraculous provisions of the manna and the water in the wilderness, they could not trust God? Something's wrong up here with their thinking. Child of God, that's happened to us. God has saved us from an incredible uh, thing. It cost Him everything He had to give us salvation. Cost us nothing, cost Him everything. He has saved us from a lot of things. I'm telling you, if you would uh, know my, my, my life and, and my friends and, and where I was heading before Jesus saved me, uh, it's incredible where the Lord brought me. And it's getting better. Walking with Jesus just gets sweeter and sweeter as the day goes by. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. This uh, hot for Jesus and, and cold and Hot and cold and hot and cold, or you're in, you're out, you're, you're up, you're down, you're here, you're there. That's for the birds. What would make you think that that's, that's logical thinking? That's illogical thinking. You see, they're thinking black thought. If God has provided before, He can provide again. Their misery and sorrows are a result of their doubt and unbelief in God. Doubt in the Lord does not give joy. Satan's crowd claims believers do not have fun. I'm having the time of my life. I sleep with a clear conscience. I know what it is to have a bad conscience and not feel good and wonder uh, what people are going to say to me because of something that I've done to them behind their back. That cannot be said <clears throat> for a child of God that's committed to the Lord has a clear conscience. The devil's crowd tends to drown in their sorrows with booze, drugs, sexual immorality, and sad, sadly, even suicide. Their bad choices have bad consequences. Our Lord desires for us to have joy unspeakable 
and full of, joy, full of glory. Will thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice? You can't be happy and wrong with God. The saddest, the most miserable people in the world are not necessarily the lost and the undone, uh, and certainly not the saved uh, and spiritual, but it's that half in and half out crowd. That saved people that act like the world and think like the world, but they're not receiving the blessings of God. They're feeling the consequences of God's uh, hand coming upon them. We see the cry of the congregation, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. We see in verse 2, it says, And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? Their logic is illogical. Their thinking is thoughtless. We see the complaining crowd. We see all kinds of things being said and being done by this crowd. My notes in order here. Here we see the rational, the rationale of the irrational, the logic of the illogical, and the thinking of the thoughtless. They have implied that Canaan land was a crazy place. Do you know what Canaan land, you know what it's defined to? The land of marriage. Being joined together. What a blessing it was before you were married. Do you remember how it was and how that you dreamed for the day that someone would love you like you loved them and you'd uh, walk the aisle and, and you'd give the marriage uh, vows and you'd stand before people and God and you'd make some lifelong commitments and you made them and how happy you were. That's what it is to walk and talk with God. Being reminded of how it was before you were saved. Now you've been joined to the Savior. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. They have implied that Canaan land was a crazy place. Their plan was to go back to Egypt, which is crazy. Egypt had been obliterated by the Lord and plundered by the people. It was a land where the sting of death of the firstborn was still felt. It was a land whose army drowned in the Red Sea. Sound thinking would, would know that the, Pharisee would, that the Pharaoh would not welcome them back. Sound thinking. But they didn't have sound thinking. Their logic was illogical. Their thinking is thoughtless. And that, is, that explains what a carnal person is. Their thinking is thoughtless. Their logic is illogical. Being right with God, allowing God to move you and direct you, that's sound thinking. In my 37 years of pastoring, I found backsliders do not think straight. They have carnal minds. They make bad decisions which can affect them or theirs the rest of their life. They wanted to trade Moses for Pharaoh. That's stupidity. That's the epitome of the logic of the illogical and the thoughtless thinking and spiritual stupidity. Trading Moses for Pharaoh. They didn't pray for, for hundreds of years to get away from Moses. 
But they did that for, to get away from Pharaoh. And when God answered their prayer and delivered them through the Red Sea and give them sweet water from a, 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 a sour water, a, a bitter water place, and had provided miraculously for them all these many years, they want to go back? That's not sound thinking. That's illogical thinking. That's thoughtless thinking. I have seen carnal people be just that way. We see in verse 5 the cry to God now. Who does the cry? Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. You don't see that beloved congregation. You don't see that with your pastor. You don't know the hurts and the heartaches that he has. You don't know the expressions that he can see from the pulpit. You don't see and, and understand the coldness and callous hearts that, that he deals with. You don't understand. It's not, well, you're, you're cold and callous toward me. I'm going to be cold and callous toward you. That's what the flesh would want to do. You're going to treat me this way. I'm going to treat you that way. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no. He's made a commitment to be Christ-like in all that he says and all that he does. And I'm going to tell you something. The Holy Spirit of God can be hurt as well. He can woo you. He can move you. But you've got to be willing to be moved. You've got to be willing. And, and God knows what's down the road for each of you. You need help from heaven. My dear sister here, father may be dying. She's in church trying to be a comfort to others, singing, pray, 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 which is the right thing. There's going to be moments or times in your life you're going, to, you're going to need help from heaven. You won't get that as a carnal person. It's not live for yourself, live for the devil, and all of a sudden, Lord, I need your help. You know what God does? And I prove, I, I prove that with Scripture. God does this. He will not listen as long as you're uh, in sin. You've got to turn from your wicked ways and turn to God. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. I promise you right now, if I wasn't called to be a pastor and I lived anywhere in this area, this would be my church. I know enough about that young man that I know that he's got a heart and he's straight and narrow and God has given you a witty pastor. He's sharper than a tack. And if you'll follow his leadership and as long as he follows the Lord... This church has got great and glorious things in its future. It doesn't matter how dark the night is out there. There's a light shining and burning in its heart. And there's great and glorious things this church can do together. But it can't be this person think that, and this person think that, and this think that, this think that. No, what we need to do is get on the same page. And we, what we need to do is say, thank you, Lord, for giving me such a good man and his wife. Uh, for my spiritual leader. I don't know about you, men of God, but there's a many a Sunday night I've spent my 
and I in tears praying over our church. Have I ever had the thoughts of quitting? I would have liked to quit, but that's just not in my DNA. God called, God equips, uh, run if you want to, run if you will, but I came here to stay. It's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation. It's a fight, not a game. Run if you want to, run if you will, but I came here to stay. When you find God's will, it's what you do. And by the way, when you come into the church and you, and you identify uh, with this church that God has given put in this community, it doesn't mean that everything is going to be rosy right. <laughs> there are going to be some difficulties, time here, there, something. The most perfect family you ever, you ever see, if you get into that family, you're going to find out that there's, there's problems even in the most perfect family. But there's a problem solver. Jesus Christ is the problem solver. And the dear man of God is the one that comes before God and he falls on his face before God and he cries out to God, Lord, I need help. I need help beyond my years of, of knowledge on what to do in these circumstances. God, I need your help. you got a man like that. Not a man that can be pushed around, but he's a man that God can lead. Thank God for it. Moses and Aaron had lost control over the people because they cannot control the hearts of the congregation. Now that's my biggest concern as a pastor. Losing heart means no heart. No heart leads to apathy. Apathy leads to lukewarm living. Lukewarmness makes God sick. It nauseates the Almighty. No heart. Sometimes that old heart can get cold and callous. I don't want to have a cold and callous heart. I want to have a tender heart. I want to be able to feel your pain. I want to be able to rejoice when you rejoice. Cry when you cry. Feel something. It gets to the place where the preaching of God has been presented. The Spirit of God is moving. It does nothing to your heart. That's a time to really examine the heart, Lord. Help. Moses and Aaron fell on their face before the Lord. Prayer is always the answer. Prayer can change you. It can change your attitude. And it can change circumstances. My dear sister sang the right song tonight. She had no idea that it was going to go along with what I had to preach tonight. Their cry to God, these men of God. In verse 6, 7, and 8, we see confidence in God. We, see, uh, we clearly see the faith of Joshua and Caleb. They have seen with their eyes and felt with their hands the goodness of the land and the greatness of God. In pleading with the congregation, uh, Joshua and Caleb tore, rent their clothes, which was a sign of distress. They knew that it was an exceeding good land, and if the Lord delights in us, He will bring us into this land. I hate it when people make all these statements and they forget to say, if the Lord wills. I plan to do this. I plan to do that. 
But we need to remember if God is involved. I want God's will more than my will. God's will first, foremost, forever. God's will. They had confidence in God. They could see with their eyes and feel with their hands and see the the grapes and the pomegranates and the figs and, and all the good things that they could enjoy. They could see the blessings of the place. And they knew that, that God would help them if He led. In verse 9, we see the commands, the command and caution given by Joshua. Only rebel not ye against the Lord. He's trying to tell them now. Uh, Neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. He was making a case for how great God was, and how great God is, and what great things God can do. He was making a case for God, uh, trying to appeal to the minds and hearts of the illogical, the irrational. Uh, the uh, thoughtless thinkers. He was trying to appeal to them. God is greater. We've been uh, far peace together. Look what God has done in the past. He will do it for us now. Trust in the Lord. Only rebel not against the Lord. Rebels are illogical and irrational. Rebellion damages every. Life, it touches. I am so happy that my children are walking in truth and serving the Lord. Had my life been mountaintops, valley, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm hot for God, I'm cold, I'm calloused, I'm cold, I'm hot. I'm, yeah, if that would have been my life, wonder what my children would have turned out to be. See, what parents do in moderation, children do in excess. So if you hit and miss on the things of God uh, just a little bit, they'll do it a lot more. And it's, it's amazing how that they pick up on your weaknesses, and whatever your weakness is, that becomes their strength, uh, strong in that weakness. And what we've got to do with God's help is say, oh Lord, uh, and remind our children, I'm not always going to do the right thing, but I'm trying to do the right thing. And when I do the wrong thing and cross some lines I shouldn't cross or say some things I shouldn't say or or react in in a wrong way, uh, please forgive me and be so open and honest with the children. You want one day for them to grow up and honor the Lord. They're not going to honor a proud hypocrite. No. We've got, to, we've got to get down and show them that we can make mistakes, but we're trying to follow the Lord. Rebels in the Bible include Lucifer. He wanted to exalt his throne above God. He was cast out of heaven. Cain offered efforts of the flesh, a bloodless sacrifice to God. He was cursed. Now, now why does Lucifer rebel? Why, why did he want to exalt his throne above God? Because he wasn't thinking right. Why did Cain offer the efforts of the flesh and disobey God Almighty with a bloodless offering? Because he thought it best. 
Samson dishonored God and his parents with the wrong crowd. He lost his power. Did he think he was going to maintain all the great and glorious things that God had given him while he's in disobedience and rebellion against his parents and against God? Wasn't thinking. His logic was illogical. His thinking was thoughtless. Absalom attempted to overthrow his father's kingdom. He lost his life. Did he honestly think God was going to bless that? The sons of Korah, they rebelled against Moses, God's anointed one. Uh, they were swallowed up in the earth. Hell opened up, they swallowed it, was swallowed into hell. What was in their mind, their logic was illogical. Their thinking was thoughtless. You follow the man of God. God is the one that puts them in. God is the one that takes them out. You follow God. Achan took of the forbidden items. He lost his possessions. He lost his family. He lost his life. What was in his thinking? King Saul refused to destroy Agag and the choice sheep as was commanded. He lost his kingdom. What was in his mind? Carnal people are illogical. Carnal people are thoughtless. And when your logic becomes illogical and your thinking becomes thoughtless, you're carnal. That's just the way carnal people act and react. Bible talks about uh, rebellious people. They're stiff-necked, according to Deuteronomy chapter 31, 27. They're, they're not going to budge. They're going to do what they've always done. This is what they want to do. They're going to do it. They're stiff-necked. They will not turn. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. That tells you how low down, how horrible rebellion is. It's as the sin of witchcraft. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 1, the rebellious cover their sins and refuse Godly counsel. They're, they're not going to listen to a godly person, a person of faith, a man of God. They're not going to listen. That's a rebel. A rebellious person, they walk in their own thought and have a holier-than-thou attitude. We're not a holier than anybody. We're just dirt that God is using. We ought to be pliable, usable in the hands of God. Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 2, they see not and they hear not. Because they're blinded with their illogical thought and their thoughtless thinking. In verse 10, I want you to see the consideration, the crazy consideration. But all the, people, but all the congregation bade stones, uh, bade, stoned them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. In spite of the pleas of the fearless four, Joshua, Aaron, Moses, and Caleb, the congregation wanted to stone them. Truth believers get mad when lies are told. Liars get mad when truth is told. And that's what was happening you had ten liars and you had two truth, truth tellers. You had the man of God. You had the uh, 
you had Moses and Aaron, and they stood with uh, the, the two that believed that God was capable. And the congregation was standing with the ten that was lying. Liars get mad when truth is told. We see two types of people. We see those who trust God and those who trust sight. And that's really what we have in the church too. We've got sight livers and we've got those that trust God. The Bible says it's required that a steward be found faithful. We are supposed to walk from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. What does that mean? That means trusting God. This is what He would have and doing it. Faith isn't a leap in the dark. It's an opportunity to say, I believe this is what God wants to do, and you do it. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of times in my life that I believe God was leading this direction. And, and it, with my simple, pure heart, I say, Lord, uh, this is what I would like to do, but I don't care about what I would like to do. I want to do what you would want to do. What will thou have me do? If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And so you ask, and so you make a step by faith, trusting that this is the direction that God wants. And if it's not the direction that God wants and you're trusting Him, guess what? You end up where God wants you to go. But if you say, well, this is what I want, this is what I'm going to do. Most people have their minds all made up before they pray. Yeah, they, they Lord, what would thou have me to do? Oh, 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 God, I've already got my bags packed. I'm ready to roll. No, no. What they need to do is, is unpack their bag and say, what will thou have me to do? You want me to stay? You want me to go? What will thou have me to do? You know, there's too many people that are led by problems instead of led by the Lord. I'd like, to, I'd like, to, I'd like it to be known that, that I don't want to be led by a problem. It bothers me to no, no end when preachers would say, uh, after I became pastor of Beeville Baptist Church, we had we have a naval air station there. And we had a lot of officers in our church. And, and right after I became pastor, about a year later, they closed down the base. That meant thousands, hundreds, not thousands, hundreds of families left. Uh, Beeville all of a sudden overnight became one-third of what it was. Our church was affected because good, godly people, uh, they left. And I told pastor friends that I had, I said, look, Beeville is becoming a ghost town. It's incredible. There are hundreds of homes on the market for next to nothing. Brand new apartment homes that you could buy that, that cost uh, $100,000 a home were selling for less than $10,000. I've known people personally that bought some of those. And so... Uh, I, I, I tell preachers, and they say, well, okay, hey, uh, are, there's a church over here that needs a pastor. I said, what's that got to do with me? Well, you know, you're, you're having problems there, and, and uh, we've got this, I, I can recommend you. I said, no, thank you. I'm not going to abandon God's people when they're uh, suffering and going through some heartache of life. I'm not going to do that. That's just not who I am. If I go bankrupt trying to be with God's people, uh, look, I trusted God. 
He brought me there, and he didn't bring me there just when things are good. He brought me there to plant my blessed assurance and roll up my sleeves and do the very best I can for his glory. And God has blessed that. What's the thinking of some of these preachers that say you run, turn tail and run when you're having problems? That's illogical thinking. Folks, we've got to be careful that we think like God thinks. The crazy consideration, in spite of the pleas of the fearless four. We see the two types of people, those that trusted God and those that trusted sight. And we see in verses 11 and verse 12, God considers the rebellion to be a very serious matter. He offers to Moses to destroy the congregation and make a new and mightier nation. This would bring honor and peace to Moses. God is weary of the congregation abusing his man, his appointed leader. And he offers it to Moses. And Moses said, no, Lord, let's not do that. And God didn't. Carnal people need to get right. And if we're going to experience revival in this church, in this community, First of all, you need revival. Your family needs revival. This church needs revival. This community needs the effect of a church that's revived. They need the effect of a church that's revived. Revival comes at a cost. Are you willing to let God speak to you, cleanse your heart, help you to make the right choices, serve God? There's joy in serving God. There's consequences in just living life as I've always lived it. Just apathetical. Let's every head be bowed, please. Every head bowed, every eye closed.